Welcome to the Age of Organizational Effectiveness. This is the podcast that explores stories about organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Well, today we're up to episode number 55, and I'm titling this The Goal of Every Organization. What I'm going to try to do today is to discuss a finding from my recent book. The book is called Become Truly Great. It's a surprising idea that the goal of every organization is the same. So what is that goal of every organization if if it is the same? It's basically to be effective within its environment. So we've got two things going on. We've got the organization and its environment. The organization, you know, we're really confident we know what that is. But the environment is a word that is often thought of as the natural environment. But in reality, the environment for an organization is everything outside the organization. It's where its customers live. It's where its non-customers live. It's where the rest of the economy is. Other organizations are there. And, of course, the natural world is also out there. But so is the rest of the universe. So the environment is a very large thing compared to the organization, but it's everything outside of it. So how does an organization become effective within its environment? And what is effectiveness all about? Well, that's a question that's been a real enigma in organizational theory for decades. In fact, effectiveness was given up in the mid-80s as an idea that was sort of unworkable because it was nonspecific and did not have a standard referent. Now, a referent is something that can be observed in the real world to verify the idea that you're trying to describe. So let's say we have an elephant, an elephant as a a concept, and we all know basically what an elephant looks like, and if called upon to do so, we could go out to a site where an elephant was said to be found and verify whether it was there or not just by looking around and we know what it looks like. So an elephant um, is easily verified just by its appearance. But effectiveness doesn't really follow this logic, at least not so far, because there is no referent that scholars have pointed to that can be observed in the field to signify effectiveness. So things like profit don't work. Uh, Shareholder value doesn't work. And a variety of other indicators which have been proposed also don't work because they can't be directly observed in the field to verify effectiveness. So if we say that the goal of every organization is the same, and that goal is basically to be effective within its environment, then how can we really make that happen if we don't know what effectiveness is? So this is the quandary that uh, scholars have been in for a long time. Now, a number of models have been proposed to signify effectiveness, and one of the prominent ones, and probably the most familiar one, is the GOAL model, G-O-A-L, in which an organization is believed to be effective if it accomplishes its goals. And so the traditional way of running an organization is basically for management to have an organization chart and specify some goals and then direct the staff to achieve them. But this is problematic because 
The question is, how do you be sure that you've got the right goals? And even if they're achieved, you know, not all goals are equal and certainly not all of them deal with effectiveness. So the goal model has really been problematic and introducing a new management team with a new set of objectives is always a risky proposition. Now, in the book that I've been talking about here, Become Truly Great, Serve the Common Good Through Management by Positive Organizational Effectiveness, we talk about a new way to think about management, and it's called Management by Positive Organizational Effectiveness. So within that framework, effectiveness is all about converting the supply-side intentions of an organization into demand-side performance. So it all takes place, all the really interesting things take place right at the interface between the organization and its environment. Because the organization is producing outputs, uh, which it's offering then to the environment in terms of its products and services or its projects and programs. And the question is, is the environment interested Does it find value? Does it see benefit in utilizing these offerings that are are present for its its use? So this is what it comes down to. An organization has a supply-side push. It's trying to push things out the door and get people in the environment to get excited and be involved in those offerings and, and purchase them, if that is the logic of the offering, but the conversion between the supply side push and the demand side pull is not within the control of the organization. It's really up to actors in the environment to decide whether or not the offerings of the organization are sufficiently attractive and beneficial and useful to make them take the plunge. So the overriding directive of management by positive organizational effectiveness is to serve your environment and be rewarded in return. So it's really about effectively serving the environment by offering things that the environment wants and then having some benefits exchanged, financial and economic or some of the transactional benefits, but there are other benefits as well, uh, which we could talk about, social, psychological, spiritual, and environmental even, And these are the kinds of exchanges that motivate uh, actors in the environment to become interested and to engage. So if we're really interested in serving our environment and be rewarded in return, we have to understand our environment. We have to define it. Every organization really selects its own environment in which it operates, although certainly the environment is not completely under its control. It makes active choices when it decides where it wants to be located, and who it wants to try to serve. So if we're trying to be effective within our environment, whether we're a business, a government, or a nonprofit organization, we have to have a strategy about how we're going to serve our environment. What are the offerings that we are designing and perfecting and then offering to our demand-side audience? It's all about converting supply-side intention into that demand-side response. Now, problems come when we think that this is not reality. If we think we're really in the business of maximizing profit, then we've got a problem. Because if you're in the business of maximizing profit, you're not really out to serve your environment. You're really out to 
trick your environment into buying no matter the benefits that might be involved. The maximization of profit as a goal leads an organization in directions that certainly are not necessarily uh, beneficial to the environment or to the organization itself in the long run. If you go to any small town, you'll find a main street with businesses that are there and have been there for a long time, and they get to know their customers very well. If you're operating in a small town, there's no way you can survive unless you do serve your customers and take pride in in that service and then being rewarded in return. It's all about serving first and being rewarded as your customers benefit. But when you come to areas outside small towns, you get to big cities and you get to organizations that are capitalized on the stock market, a different set of realities is in play because the incentives are different. You're not living day to day in that small town where the customers know each other and know the businesses that are present. So the tendency is to treat customers in this larger setting in a mechanistic way and simply view them as profit opportunities. But again, what really works is to understand your environment and to try to serve it in the best way possible. In the days after 9-11, the world had changed radically. The airline industry was reeling, and um, it was not clear that it was going to survive. People felt afraid to fly, and planes were grounded for a few days before they were allowed to fly again. But in this environment, Southwest Airlines went ahead and made a pension fund contribution and did not lay off any of its employees. It was one of the few airlines, few airlines that didn't lay off people. Uh, I think Alaska was the only uh, was one of the others. But um, researchers followed the airlines in the years after 9/11 and found that Southwest and Alaska Airlines recovered most rapidly and. Um, Southwest had a, had a profit, in fact, in every quarter. And it was because employees rallied to the cause of the airline and did what they could to get things going again. In the case of other airlines that laid off 20 to 25% of their employees, they, they recovered much more slowly. And a lot of the social capital, you could say, that existed between the airline and its employees was destroyed because of the trust that was lost uh, due to the layoffs. So... Organizations are really complex, adaptive systems in which uh, people are the main agents and the components of the organization, and they react in somewhat unpredictable ways when you know the trust is destroyed. It's easy to see that employees will react positively when the organization tries to expand into a new territory and is hiring and things are on the upturn, but th- things turn sour when Layoffs are contemplated and jobs are outsourced to other locations. These are the realities that organizations present. So how do we think about effectiveness within this this system, this complex system? What we discovered in the book was that it's much easier to achieve effectiveness if you come to believe that the goal of every organization is the same and it is to be effective within its environment. That empowers employees essentially every day, to ask the question, well, how can we best serve the environment today? 
Clearly, it's not about extracting the most profit from every customer. It's about being sure that they get the value that they're expecting and that the cost is reasonable in both financial and non-financial terms. Basically, you want to create offerings that have value, that have real benefits for customers, and that when those behaviors of uptake, adoption, and use are seen, this is effectiveness. And what you want to do then is to follow up and be sure that customers are not only satisfied, but they're actually gaining the real benefits, economic benefits and other benefits uh, that they were expecting over time. So when I say the goal of every organization is the same, I'm not kidding. Not only in business, but in government and in nonprofits as well. We often think of government as a different beast from business, but in fact, it's made up of people. Uh, it has the same kinds of aims to make the world a better place, and it has the ability to design projects and programs that are effective and that elicit expected demand-side responses. So government, very much, if it lives up to its potential, is all about understanding the environment in which it operates and being sure that it's serving that environment in ways that benefits are exchanged across the boundary and that its customers are getting the types of products and services that they were expecting. When we say benefits are exchanged across the boundary, in the book we explain how there's a hierarchy of benefits. If you start from the bottom, there's the economic and financial transactional benefits that happen when we go to the store and we buy a product. We're essentially expecting that the price we pay in financial terms is less than the economic benefits that we get over time as we utilize the products and services uh, once we get them home. So let's say we bought a lawnmower and paid a, a few hundred dollars for it. We're saving money and the lawnmower is paying itself because we're paying for itself because we're not having to hire someone to mow the lawn. Instead, we're mowing the lawn ourselves and the economic benefit of doing that is recovered over time. That economic benefit, if, we, if the lawnmower lasts for several years, is much greater than the cost that we paid uh, to buy it at the store. But there may also be other benefits. Social benefits may be a motivator in this transaction because as we interact with our neighbors and we're seen to be productive members of our community as we're out mowing the lawn, social benefits are a driver of this potential transaction. In the same way, psychological benefits may be there as I feel better about myself and my ability to maintain my property. This may also be a motivator for me to go out and buy a lawnmower. But there may also be even higher level benefits, environmental benefits, where I help to create a community that's better than it was before. So there's a variety of benefits that may motivate a transaction like this, and it plays out over time. So an organization that was selling lawnmowers would be well advised to advertise it by showing pictures of happy neighbors, flowering plants, and well-maintained yards. And this is what we, what we see out there in the real world. These are the kind of things that motivate transactions of this sort. So what we're saying today basically is that the goal of every organization is the same. It's to be effective within its environment. It's effective within its environment if... It's able to convert its supply-side intentions into products and services 
that then elicit demand-side response of uptake, adoption, and use of those products and services. So it's about converting intention into response. This is a very practical way to think about effectiveness, and it's part of the underlying logic that we see in management by positive organizational effectiveness. So we're going to leave it there today. In the coming weeks, we'll again try to bring out some of the main findings from the book. It's been really a year. This is a a year since we started uh, the podcast and a year to produce the book. And now is a time to reflect on that and see where we've come from and where we expect to go in the near future. So join us again next week as we consider stories about other organizations and their performance. I'm your host, Charles Chandler. Goodbye for now.